Welcome to Pure Hustle Podcast. I'm Mike. And this is Orlando. And we are on episode, I actually have to look now because we have those two episodes. <laughs> We're at episode 58. Yeah, 58. And this is our themed episode. That's right. It's our themed episode. And it's it's kind of a, a the new version of the themed episode, which includes the Hustle of the Week, right? Hustle of the Week. Yeah. So, and we have some good hustle. I got to tell you. So, here's the... I want to let you guys know, keep using the hashtag hustle of the week. Now we're getting a ton of entries, but this is something I thought about, you know, hustle of the week is like another bolo. Yeah. I mean, in a lot of ways it is for sure. Um, it, it, sometimes it's more of a, a unique bolo. Like this is, this is the really, really one-offs, but we've had quite a few of our listeners like write in and say, Hey, this hustle of the week that somebody had, like. You know, I found something just yeah, like that's it. That's what I'm or, saying, yeah. Mike. And so now that hashtag, if you need a hashtag to follow on Instagram, it's hashtag hustle the week. Now, we do have some interesting, you know, because other, other people use that. Other people use that. So we got like people in a hair salon. We have <laughs> randomness in there. But I want to make sure we take over that hashtag. Let's own it. Let's hustle, own it. Hustle the week is the reseller hashtag. You know, if you're using that, like, let's make sure that, that, that nobody else can use hustle the week <laughs> no without one. seeing you know, just resellers going crazy and they're going to, they're going to, and then like, they'll wow. start reselling. Yeah. They're going to be like, man, this is, these, these guys are making tons of money. What? This person bought this is for real five, hustle, right? And flipped it for whatever amount. That's real hustle right there. <laughs> we have some good ones in here too. So, all right. This is going to be an interesting episode. And are, you, are you saying like most of our episodes aren't interesting? Oh, no, 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 no. They're, they're good. Hey, and, and even our level up review. Thank you guys. Like that's the one we were kind of like, yeah, you know, we'll see how this goes. And, Got some very positive feedback, so appreciate that. Yeah, it's good. I think and it's one of those things, too, that, you know, um, not everything's for everyone, you know, but the idea is for us to reach as many people as possible. And and as long as we're putting out more content and not less, you've got more to, to choose from. So there, there you go. go. And uh, should we mention what's coming up? What's coming up? We got something super big coming up. We got a couple of big things coming up. I know. But okay. Pre-eBay open. Huge. Okay. Yeah, that's this this can, is really Can we big. talk can we talk about it? I say we talk about it. Okay. So, we're changing things up even more on the podcast. And maybe you've seen this if you follow this person on YouTube. We are bringing interviews to our podcast. Yeah. And who are we starting with, Mike? This is just it blows my mind. So, we're doing interviews which, you know, there's a ton of amazing people out there. So uh, many people. That, that that's a hard thing is like where do you start? Yeah. But we, I don't know, I don't even know how it happened, but we were blessed enough to be able to connect with Craigslist Hunter. Uh, Pete over at Craigslist Hunter is an amazing reseller. He's got an awesome YouTube channel. Um, I would probably say majority of our listeners are already subscribed or know who Pete from Craigslist Hunter is. Um, a lot of them came over because when he gave us a shout out, I think it was back in August or something. Of last year? Yeah, remember? Yeah. Like out of nowhere, I'm watching Pete and he starts talking about the podcast. I'm like, what? Yeah, no, that was super cool. So if you... If you aren't already a, a follower of, of Pete at Craigslist Hunter, go check him out. Follow him on Instagram. Uh, follow his YouTube. Subscribe to his YouTube. He's doing like daily videos lately. It's it's amazing. So let him know that we sent you, right? If you're already a, a Craigslist Hunter you know, subscriber, you know, you know what we're talking about. But if not, go over there. Let him know that we sent you over there so he can see, um, you know, that, that, you know, how much we appreciate him coming on the show. Uh, so I... We're planning on doing an interview with him, and that should be coming up on Sunday. So our plan is to do every other Sunday. So one Sunday will be the Level Up Review. Uh, then the following Sunday will be an interview with uh, some amazing reseller or uh, 
hustler of some kind, right? Like we're hoping to bring in all hustler kinds of different hu- hustler of some kind. Well, you never know, right? Like okay. we might we might be able to get some real estate moguls in here. Oh, okay, or, all you right. know. All right. No, no, we've talked about that, but there's no better way I can think. I mean, there's there's several ways we could, but we're just so humbled to be able to bring Pete the Craigslist Hunter for our very first interview on the podcast. Yeah, no, it's it's going to be amazing. Um, really setting the bar high there, you know. <laughs> well, that's a th- no, we are, and and here's the thing: he's directly affected our own businesses and and how we do things. And one of the most gracious guys that I've, you know, I haven't met him one on one, but we've had conversations leading up to the podcast, and and we'll share more about that when we finally drop the interview. But uh, just a really all around great guy and a legit uh reseller. So looking forward to that to Sunday. Yeah. Oh, man. Okay. So what's this episode We have an episode to talk about, right? We have an episode to do here. Okay. So this one's interesting because we're dealing with... I didn't know how to title it. So I just titled it Buyer Issues. It's all good. That's a a good title. um, For sure. I didn't know what else to say. That that is a euphemism for um, crazy, crazy customers, right? Like that's that's really what it comes down to. No, no, no. Mine, it's like everything can be resolved. Oh, for sure. But some, some customers are just crazy. Like I'm no, sure I, I get that, but <laughs> see, I'm, I'm more of the perspective of, yes, there are, but I think you got to treat each one individually and recognize everybody has like their own background, their own bad day, you know, like their own unique kind of crazy. They're all, yeah, no, I, I get it. I get it. You know, but we have different personalities, you know, like even me and you mesh sometimes, right? Mesh, is it mesh or oh, we, we, we butt heads occasionally we're averse every once in a while. Every once in a while, kind of like our last podcast. Yeah. That was the, fun, though. The Level Up Review. Got, level Up Review. Got, got a little heated. If you haven't listened to it yet, check it out. All right. Anyways, but uh, uh, hey, listen. So buyer issues, I the reason I, I wanted to share it and, and Mike wanted to share this was because, I don't know, do you ever feel like sometimes like it's just you? Like, why am I the only person dealing with this issue? Yes. But, well, in the moment, I feel like that is the default position that most people take with with any any kind of obstacle right okay you know i think when once we like really logically think about it we know for sure that everybody's dealing with this but but yeah i mean when you're when you're dealing with a customer uh who's upset with something that they purchased or they're trying to buy something or or all of the, the 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 numerous numbers of issues that could possibly happen on on ebay or amazon um yeah you can definitely say like there's no way. Like, how do how do I get stuck with this? Like, why is this happening to me? Without realizing, like, yeah, this is kind of part of the the job and and kind of normal. And now, how do we get through this? Like, no, that's really the question. And that's what we want to talk about. But before we get into how do we, so we we kind of broke it down. We broke it down to like how to prevent it, and then we broke it down to when it goes silent, which we've talked about a little bit, mm-hmm. and then worst case scenario. Now. We're not going to be able to touch on every single like buyer issue, right? Because there's some stuff we haven't encountered yet. Oh yeah, I mean, just talking about the idea that each each individual is unique. Um, so is the each situation. Like, there's a lot of similar ones, right? Like, there's I've talked to you about problems I've had, and you go, and I think it's like super unique and rare, yeah. and you're like, yeah, that I've, that happens to me like once a month, and I'm like, oh, once a month. Oh, okay, you know I what hope, I mean? I hope not, but yeah, you know. So, um, but there are you know, each individual thing is, is its own problem, its own unique situation. And if you're newer, you know, like I am, even though I've got a year under my belt of doing this, there's still things that come up that I'm like, how do I, how do I solve this? Right. And so, um, you know, this, this episode isn't to like 
explain every situation. Like, well, what do you do if UPS loses it? And then you have to do this. You know, like, this isn't a step-by-step. This is just kind of like- Some parts will be some, Yeah, but this is like, what are the general ways of handling, you know, the common issues? And then what are some, some you know, mindset ways of dealing with, uh, and, and even just strategies for dealing with people, right? Because that's really what you're doing is you have to realize that, like you said, and you started this, like, that is somebody else on the other end of the computer, right? It's a human yeah, being with a life. and behind it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> with a life. Yeah, you know, like sometimes it's easy to forget that that it's no, a I, I I agree. I agree. And anyways, I can keep going on, but you know, we ourselves end up in these scenarios where like it's been a rough day and then we get this message. And had it been like the day before where everything was all good, we probably would have handled it differently. You know well, what I'm saying? And, and as it is, like eBay messages are I hate getting them. I think there needs to be a different sound for message. Yeah, because you know, you're like you Whatever yeah. I can't even do the sound, but uh, that so back in the day, everything was uh, any any time you got an offer, you sold something, you got a ching, right? Now you get the sound, mm. but it could be an offer or a, message. or a message, and it's the worst when you get it and you look and you're like, it's a message. Yeah, and and the worst thing too is, you know, and this is shooting for the moon. This would never happen, but like. We had a few people mention um, in in some of our comments that YouTube's or not YouTube, um, eBay's algorithm is so good at even detecting like if you're trying to make a sale outside of the platform. Yeah, right. It is. It's that good that they should be able to determine if it's a negative message, and it should be <laughs> give you a negative even, sound. And even different, you should be able to like set it so like you only get them at certain times, like when okay. you're prepared for them. You know what I mean? Like that's no, not a real thing. It. But but yeah, it should be a different sound because yeah, there's a lot of anxiety. Sometimes it's like. You know, I'm driving and I get the message and it's like, oh, now I got to wait till I'm home to open this up. And the whole way home, I'm thinking, what went wrong? What am I? I'm thinking of the big sales I had. Like, oh, I had that big $200 sale. Like, I hope it didn't break on the way there. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, yeah I hear you. Oh. But you know what? Hey, eBay Open, we should bring that up. Like, can we have a different sound for messages? For messages. Yeah, because it, it is. It's super disappointing. Like, I could be in one room hanging out with my kids and I hear it. And like, like I left in the kitchen. I take off and I go and oh. It's a return request. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, if you hear it, you're kind of like, you know what? I'll get to it later. You know, or you're, you're like ready for it. Anyways. Okay. So we want to start with prevention. I think prevention is key with buyer issues. Kind of like a, a very popular quote. Oh, are we going with the quote of the week already? Might as well just get it out of the okay, way. Right? Isn't yes, it, please get it out of the way. Isn't it, isn't it something to the effect of, and I'm probably um, butchering this one, but something to the effect of, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. I think so. But I've isn't that of, so true? Oh, I agree. I right? think in any scenario, it's like that. Like just spending a little bit of time preventing an issue is worth, way worth the the outcome, right? Of time lost in the beginning versus potential time lost later on. Agreed. Especially with eBay. Like, and we've talked about it. We talked about it. I don't know how many podcasts ago about making sure you're organizing the inventory so you save time. But it's the same thing, like trying to prevent buyer issues, right? And and the first thing is make sure to be objective in your listings. Do you know what I'm saying about objective in your listings? Yeah, I think there's a lot of a lot of ways of doing that. I think one simple way of doing that is taking really good, clear, honest pictures. Right, you can take honest pictures. Absolutely, because I feel like you can take deceptive pictures. Right. Oh, okay. 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 You I can you can make the lighting a little bit right. You can make sure that the angle is that angle where the scratch doesn't really show up. You know. So I think just being very clear with your your pictures is one simple way 
Um, and obviously there's lots of ways as far as like inside of your, your writing, um, but being very clear with the pictures that there's no question about what people are getting. Cause occasionally I still get customers who say, you know, those, those pictures didn't, you know, weren't accurate to the item. And it's like, well, it kind of was, but I can only imagine how many more I'd get if, if you were intentionally trying to cover flaws. You may like still take good pictures. I, I took good pictures of an item and somebody said like your pictures were far better than the item I received, which was not the case, but. It happens sometimes. You know? It's just buyer's remorse, I think. Yeah, no, because in their head, it definitely was because because you know not, when they look at that picture, their imagination is going right. Like, oh, I can see myself wearing this Strolling shirt to the room and stuff. Right, like, in the, well, they're seeing themselves in the shirt and they can see how good it looks, and then they put it on and look at themselves in the mirror. Oh, that's and, happened. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah, like I, get oh, it, I, get I don't it. look as good, and then they blame it on the product instead of themselves or whatever the situation. I is. I know that was in one of my latest returns. It was a Ray Spooner shirt, and they said this doesn't look professional enough. It's too worn. And I'm like, well, okay, the pictures are pretty clear. Maybe, maybe you didn't shave that day. I don't know. <laughs> okay, but here, here, okay. I also wanted to address the use of language. Okay, first of all, yeah, pictures. You're right. Like pictures are huge, and you know, if it's too much, like let's say you have like 20 flaws. Sometimes it's best just to take a few of them and then just say, hey, this has cosmetic wear throughout, right? See right. pics, blah 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 blah, and maybe in other areas, right? But uh, and I've addressed this on Instagram before, but, you know, do you use words like excellent or do you use words like uh, like great or um, perfect or anything like that? Um, yeah, I think I don't know if, if it's always the best. I try to be I try to be clear with with my language, but sometimes I know that those are are the, the hook words, right, to pull people mm -hmm. in and probably not always um maybe the best, but I think, I think there is something to be said if something is used, but it is pristine, right? Like this is like, you can tell this thing is in perfect condition. Maybe it's used like one time somebody looked at it. Right. Mm -hmm. You know? So I think you want to convey that like, Hey, this is, I can't mark it as new because I'm going to be honest, but this is as new as you can get without it being like sealed in the, in the package. And so I do think there's a place, but are you saying that maybe you shouldn't use those words? Yeah, in the I, I don't think you should. I don't think you should use the words. And this is my perspective. Again, if you have a different perspective, let us know below. But my belief is, you know, is it, what is it? Under, no, is it under promise and over deliver? Is that how it goes? <laughs> yeah. Wrong. No, that's, that's a thing. Right. It's a thing. Mm -hmm. And for me, it's like, when you use words like excellent, like that's pretty subjective, right? Excellent to one person may be different than to another person. Right. Uh, worn. Right. Warren's a pretty good, you know, word like Warren is worn. Right. But but so you're not trying to make it look better than it is. You're just saying this is where it's at. And then the person can make that judgment. But when we say excellent, like a per, or when you use words like mint, like it better be mint. Yeah. I get what I'm that. saying. Like, well, especially because some of those words carry um, I don't legal isn't the right the right um, phrase there, but they they carry like very specific connotations to them, right? Like there were companies that would grade things and it had to be graded a certain condition to be considered mint, right? So then when you use that term mint, you're basically saying mine meets that standard. And, and it might not, right? And if it doesn't, that could be an issue. So yeah, I think you got to be careful with that. But I, I almost, I is there something to be said for not under promise and over deliver, but, but promise accurately and deliver accurately? Like, like if you've got something that's in, in great condition, is it not worthwhile to? But, but great condition to who? 
like if, for instance, okay, so I'm a pretty low key kind of guy, right? So, and you know, I might have a shirt and might be worn like, let's say on my sleeve, right? And so, you know, to me, it's like, that's an excellent use condition. There's a little bit of wear, but somebody who like, you know, remember we had that administrator that always dressed to the nines, like was clean cut and everything like to him, like that's terrible, right? So excellent use condition to him means different than what it means to me. Yeah. Well, and I think, I think part of the problem with that is not having uh, very like objective standards of like what meets what, but I do think, yeah, if you use the term excellent, you, you should be saying this is that that's equating. It's like, no, that's how I would in my mind, I'd be upset if I got something that said excellent condition and it came in like what you'd consider like something that's been used. Like one nice thing with Amazon, right? Like when I buy books they have, and I know people set their own like things, but, but there are very clear, like new, like new, uh, good, very good. And then like, you can click on what very good means to them. And it'll tell you like, some dog ears on pages. Um, maybe so if you have descriptors like that in your listings, which would be not advisable because you want to keep your listings short and to the point, that could work. But And by the way, this is for all platforms. This is whether it's Amazon or Mercari or Posh or eBay. Like this apply, I will tell you, I've not had in my you know six years of really being serious about reselling or 10 years of reselling or whatever it's been, I've never had a condition issue because I've never had anybody say, you said this was excellent and it wasn't, or you said this was great and it, this isn't great. So I just strongly advise, like, don't be subjective, like make sure it's an objective thing. So you could say words like used but not abused, or you could say used, or you could say- That stuff's even more subjective though. No, no, but okay. If a shirt is used and not abused, a shirt this is a well-loved shirt. Now that is up for interpretation, no, 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 right? That is. Like, that is, but it's a little bit better to me. I think it's a whole lot better than saying excellent or great or you know using EUC. Let, let us. I'm interested in what our listeners think. Yeah. So share in the comments below because I 100% believe like under deliver and oh, was it under promise over <laughs> under promise under, under promise and over deliver is far better. Number one, it prevents issues, right? Because how, how many times do you get that awesome feedback? Like this is far better than even they said, or the pictures, like you'd rather get that review than somebody that goes or gives you a neutral and goes, well, they said it was excellent, but eh, no. it wasn't that great. Let me, let me give you a story that kind of connects to that. So okay. I, I sold, I sold a, um, what do you call them? The, it's, it's uh slipping my mind right now. So the, before DVDs, the big discs, what are they called? Laser disc. Laser disc. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. So I bought a laser disc player and I plugged it in at the store that I bought it from and it turned on, opened up. Like, okay, sweet. Like this thing probably works. Yeah. And even, even at for parts, it was selling for a decent amount. I get it home. I bought a laser disc to test it and I test it and it wouldn't, it wouldn't actually play. The disc would spin, but it wouldn't play. So okay. I list it as broken. I, I explained everything like turns on these lights all work. It opens, it closes, but the disc itself doesn't play like it gets stuck. And so I described everything. So I said, this is four parts or repair only used. Right. And somebody pays for it. They bought it. They didn't even haggle. Um, and the shipping was expensive because this thing was a big thing. Right. And so I was just happy to get it out of my house. I packaged it like it was good. Right. Like it, mm-hmm. I used so much bubble wrap. I think I used like, like the really thick stuff. I used like four sheets of that, 
Then I used paper and then I like floated that inside of another box, right? Like this thing was like for a year. <laughs> I was even thinking to myself, like, man, like this is a lot of packing for something that's like for parts, right? But I'm like, I- I'd rather send it yeah, like you this. Yeah, be careful. Yeah. But then <clears throat> I- I'm not going to lie. In the back of my mind, I was like, but the nice thing is like, I don't have to worry about this getting to somebody and them saying like, it's broken, doesn't work, right? Like, because I'm-, I'm selling it to them knowing it doesn't work. So they get it and they immediately send me a message saying that it was terrible packaging, that it wasn't, you know, right? Like they really? just, they're complaining. Yeah. And I'm, I'm like, I'm confused. And I'm, I said, could you please send a picture of like, you know, the condition that it arrived in, like with the, and they were like, no, it, it's, it's fine. Like it arrived fine. But like the packaging, like it could have used more paper. Like they made a few comments. Right. So I was just like, please send me pictures. Like, I'd like to see like, and they sent me a picture of the outside of the box with like a scratch in the outside of the box, like nothing on the inside. Right. So it was just this. So I was expecting. Which could have happened anywhere between leaving your place and getting to them. Yeah. And, and so I'm thinking like, man, I'm going to get a negative review. I'm going to get a negative review. I ended up getting a positive review and the person just said like, could have used more packaging. Right. So, um, and I think I mentioned before and you said you should have that taken off, even though (laughs) you should, well, they give you a neutral, right? No. Well, I do have a neutral, but that one, they gave me positive. They just said, but it was funny because I looked up online. I'm like, can like something for parts and, and that's broken, like being sold as that way be like, can you get in trouble for some? I'm, I'm trying to look stuff up. And I saw some pretty funny things that people explained what they put when they sell stuff that are for parts only or repair. Mm-hmm. And I, I saw one description that was hilarious and I kind of want to use it from now on. It's like you are buying a piece of junk. This thing is is terrible. I think know that you're buying super under promising. No, it, it was like it was like this thing. Like they they explain like this take, is trash. Take pictures, yeah. Like this thing looks like it's been run over by a truck. It's going to be shipped USPS. So expect that it will get run over by another truck. Oh, wow. Like just totally like hilarious. Like a lot of sarcasm and funny. And they said like that's how they send that stuff. And the nice thing with doing that is if they were to ever complain that you know something went wrong, like. Mm-hmm. I feel like at that point, eBay would have to look at it and say, like, no, literally in their description, they said, you're buying junk. This is trash. <laughs> like, basically, don't even buy this. Buy it at your own risk. It's going to arrive busted. So like, that's kind of like the other, <laughs> that's the other the extreme, pendulum going, sure. like, all the way to the No, that's side. under-promising. That is, that is definitely under-promising. This item will probably arrive Okay, destroyed. so I'm not saying go that <laughs> route, but I'm saying, hey, you know what? If there's, it's kind of like one of those things where, you know, you get those messages sometimes, like, so how does this shoe fit to 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 your feet? And it's like, well, I'm not going to answer that because everybody's. I don't say that. I usually say, "Hey, appreciate the question. Unfortunately, everybody, you know, likes their shoes fitting differently, so I can't give you an accurate assessment." Yeah, and that's it. Just because if you begin to go, oh, these are you know smaller to the size. No, I think there's something to be said for if place. you know, like brands, like and and I think this is very specific if you know what you're selling. So like for instance, um. I really like Allbird shoes. Um, Allbird shoes run a little bit small, I think it is, right? But so maybe, if I were to but sell, but what if you have feet that don't? No, but that's not your feet. That's just like general. Like people know, like certain places, certain like if you buy from this company, they run a little big, they run a little small. So people put in descriptions like this is a small. Be aware, whatever brand uh, tends to run smaller than average, right? So people know, and and I'm not saying that you should do that for everything, because yeah, because you can't say like this will fit you great. I would say totally avoid it, hundred percent. Don't even go down on that road. Well, I wouldn't if you're selling one-offs, but if you are like a seller of a certain brand and you've got a lot of them and you know that this brand tends to, like if, if 40% of the people- Like, like a Reebok? 
Sure. I, I, we'll just use an example. But like, if you know that you're constantly getting people yeah. say like, this is too small, this is too small. You look up on forums and everyone's like, size 11 Reeboks are actually like 10 and a half, right? No, okay, I see what you're saying. So if, if, if it's just like generally understood, then you should put that out there. That way when somebody buys it and says, oh, this doesn't fit, it's, it's, it's not the right size, it's too small. You can say, well, actually it is the right size. You knew that when you bought it, that you need huh. to size up. Interesting. And I've, I don't think I've ever done that. I, I completely avoid any of it because for me, it's the headache of, you know, you promise somebody something and then, you know, for a reason, like for instance, myself, my left foot is bigger than my right foot, by like half a size. I don't know why. And different Nikes fit differently on my feet. So, you know, some people talk about Nikes fit a certain way, but you know, what if there's another Orlando out there and they ask you that question and then they get it. And then next thing you know, you're, you're dealing with the return, right? Where you're better off not even dealing with it because then you lose that money on the shipping there. And if you have free returns, then you lose the money on the shipping back. Right. So I'm just, to me, it's, it's, Hey, prevent, save yourself that time, save yourself that money because the right buyer will come along. That's not going to ask those questions. So you're, I mean, I think that kind of just is a general principle. If there's a really needy buyer, is it best just to try not to sell to them? Well, that, that's our next part. I, so I will say yes. I a hundred percent. Yes. I, I, I can tell you, I cannot, there are so, if there, for me, my, it's kind of like I have a quota. Like if you ask me more than three questions, like I'm not going to, I don't know. I feel bad saying this, but I may respond, but I may say, Hey, you know, uh, appreciate your questions. Um, everything that, you know, you need to know is on the description. If you don't feel comfortable, that's okay. Thank you for, you know, look forward to your business. And I just leave it at that because to me, it, it's, I don't know. And, and I'm not trying to read into to people too much. Those of you who have been selling for a while, you know what I'm talking about. Like, it tends to be that if a person asks too many questions, it's coming to be, it's going to be an INAD, an item not as described. Yeah. Yeah. Like, if they're that needy up front. I don't know if needy is the word, like inquisitive. Maybe. Maybe that's better. But it's funny, though, because like before I learned how to block people, I had. <laughs> learned how to block. How many people have you blocked, Mike? Only like five or six people. Uh -huh. But I had, I mean, because there, there are people who are like obsessed with an item and you know they're obsessed because you get a message on it like consistently. Like your price is, this is price too no, high. If you I lower agree. it, right? Like, and they, you know, like they want this thing and they act like they don't want it, right? They act like, I, 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 that's too much. I won't pay that much. Like I'll go somewhere else. You're like, okay, good luck. And then like two weeks later, they're back trying to get it again. I right? had somebody like that, but they actually bought the shoes and they loved them. Really? Yeah. I, I've had a few people who are like that with things and they, they almost get to the point where they're like, they insult you with your pricing or with your, no, no, no. Whatever. If they insult you, it's over. I'm I, not even playing I had one guy who I went back and forth with and I told this story many, many, many podcasts ago. So I'm not going to do the whole thing, but he wanted this sweater and he would message like every couple of weeks and we'd go back and forth on it. And I'm no, I'm not, I'm not going to sell it for that much. And I'm like 100% convinced that he either made another account or had a friend make an account to yeah. buy that sweater because he felt, I think, silly for not buying it at the price that mm -hmm. he thought it was, you know, I wouldn't lower my price. He kept saying he could get it cheaper. And I said, well, good. I, good. I hope you do. Like, I hope you enjoy the cheaper sweater you get, yeah, you yeah, know? Yeah. And he never was because every few weeks I'd get another message. And then finally, like 10 minutes after one of his messages where I told him no again and he left off all mad. Uh, it sold to somebody with zero, uh, zero purchases, like as absolute zero. So I was like, that was him. He made an account just to buy this and he had too much pride to buy it on well, the account. Maybe, I, maybe, maybe. Yeah, maybe it's not a hundred percent, but like, I really think like 
his pride, like if he would have bought it at that point after like basically saying like, I will never spend this much. Like you're crazy. And then realizing he can't get it anywhere else. Yeah. Like no, that it. would be a hard buy for him. So. Well, but that's the thing. It's uh, I was trying to find a message uh, that I got from buyer earlier, but you know, to me, it's kind of like when we do negotiations, like the, one of the worst ways to negotiate with someone is to insult what they're selling. Right. So you got to think about it as, so this works both ways, right? As a seller, if somebody's insulting your items, like you probably don't want to go down that road. Yeah. Would you do that like at a garage sale? Like you're going to buy something and they are asking too much. Would you say like for this, like it's messed up? Like, do you oh, do that? No, I, you know, my line, my line's always like, seems like this means a lot to you. Like you go down that road and then the person will go, no, it doesn't mean that much. Now, is there a place to say like, cause this works too. Sometimes it's like when somebody gives you a price, you already see a flaw. And right after they give you the price, that's when you like, it's like, for instance, uh, I'll just say the kayak that I bought. Right. And that was for me. Is it still good? Oh, it's great. I okay, love okay, this. Okay. So he gave me a price and it was still a really good price. Like yeah. I think his original price was like 95 or $80. Okay. And right after he said it, I grabbed a handle that I saw was already like starting to like dry oh. rotten out. And then as soon as I grabbed it and pulled it, it broke off. And I was like, Ooh, right in front of him. Yeah. Like, Ooh. like, cause it was really bad. I was like, and he's like, yeah, I guess it needs new handles. All right. 40. Right. Like, yeah. so I didn't insult it, but I knew I wanted to draw his attention to this thing. Isn't perfect. Right. So yeah. is there a place for that? I, I don't know. I, to me, it's just, it's not worth it. I mean, we're talking about, you know, I can understand if you have, no, not even then. I, I was about to say like, if it's a really expensive item, maybe, but for me, it's, here's one thing. If you sell expensive items, I never have issues with buyers that buy like drop money. I don't, I can't think of one single person that has bought something from me that was, you know, let's go bottom line over a hundred dollars over 500, over a thousand ever give me a problem. Most of the time they just buy it outright. They don't even give you an offer. Right. It's, it's the one that goes like, I got a message a couple of weeks ago about this, uh, have like these salt and pepper shakers that are from Japan and they automatically go, looks like the handles on there were, uh, fixed or glued together. Can you, can you respond to that? Like, no, like, if you don't, if you didn't like that, like I could see where they're going. I think they're trying to work on my price. I'm like, no, I, I just said, you know, unfortunately I, I don't really know the pictures show what's there and you know, yeah, it's I up think, to you. I think it's the same thing, even with like when you're at, at a garage sale, right. Is we've said it before and, and maybe, you know, you try not to stereotype, but like when you go to really affluent neighborhoods, I feel like they're more willing to part with nice stuff for cheaper. Cause to them, it's like, they're not doing this sale because they need the money. Yeah. Right. Like, like $20 versus $50. No, for, I was for, the same way. Not in the affluent neighborhood. I was, you know, when I needed money and I ran a rummage sale, like I wanted top dollar for all my stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, if you go somewhere where you could tell like someone's selling this stuff and they need to, they need to be able to, to pay their bills, right? Like that's what they're doing the sell for. You're not going to be able to negotiate the same way because they don't have the wiggle room. Right. And I feel like it's the same thing with buyers. So if a buyer is, is buying and they don't just have money to just throw around and who cares, um, they're probably going to be more likely to one, try and haggle the price down. And two, if things aren't perfect, which, you know, again, we've got to be honest, but they might be more likely to either have buyer's remorse or to find a mistake or something and, and, and want their money back. Cause they need Agreed. That. And that's why I say like, to me, it's not worth the time. It's just not, I mean, it's, it's a business. I know, 
there's a whole human side to it, but ultimately it's a business and you want to save your time and you want, you want to save your money. So for me, I would say just don't take it personal though. You know, have you ever gotten the message? Like I got one, it was a Harley shirt and somebody had messaged me and said something, you know, they count, they offered me something super low and I met them in the middle and they said, yeah, right. Only if even with new with tags, I wouldn't drop that money. Good luck with your business. You know, I could have been annoyed. I, to me, it was kind of hilarious. I, it takes a lot for me to get mad. It really, it takes a lot. And I just kind of just said, you know what? Thanks so much. I appreciate the encouragement. Have a great week. <laughs> you know, and, and the whole like, thank you, thank you, thank you emoji. And uh, it's just, you can't like, you got to understand like, ultimately, like this is their one moment in the day and they really wanted something and they can't get what they want. And so- it's they're gonna it's, lambast you. It's tough though. I feel like I feel like the more you're exposed to people being negative towards you, you can become more calloused and develop that thick skin. Mm -hmm. Uh it's not natural though. Like like just naturally, I think it's easier to to, to take things personally. No, I get I was a school administrator for five years. Uh, like so you, that's why it takes a lot because I've had I've had all sure. kinds of things said about me. Yeah. No, I mean it's true. And, and like a lot of times it's it's like a fight or flight response too. like I was just thinking about this is a little unrelated, but, you know, like even with like driving, like I can't tell you how many times like I'm a pretty calm person. But it, when somebody I'm stopped at the stop sign and then I start to go and they totally didn't stop the stop sign and then they start flipping me off, like I don't know how to react in that. It's like, are you kidding me? Like you're in the wrong. You can't. And the Angry rest, Mike. the rest of the day, like it's bothering me. And it's like, they were the one that was running the stoplight and they flipped me off. Like I, and, and it's hard not to take those things. And then when I rationally think about it, I'm like, how do I care? Like they don't, yeah. like, they're not, it's not bothering them, but it's so easy to take things personally. And, and to me, like a lot of times with those types of things, I don't take it personally. What I kind of take personally is I'm very willing to work with people. Like when somebody is unhappy with a purchase, it, this is my business, right? Mm -hmm. I'm I'm never going to intentionally have unhappy customers because you're not going to stay around very long. So when somebody messages me and they want a return or a fund or money back, whatever thing is, I'm going to work with them because it's it's mm -hmm. worth it to me. And I feel like most sellers are like I don't. No, I would say 99.99999999% of buyers on eBay are awesome. Yeah, awesome. But, but can't say the same for other platforms, but for eBay, yes. But it's so I what I take personally, and I know I shouldn't, is when I get the very first message from somebody when they're unhappy about something, and it, this has happened to me like three or four times. Immediately, their first response is, "This is blah blah blah, not as described, but whatever they're upset about." And they say, "I will be reporting this to eBay if this is not resolved immediately." And it's like, "Whoa, whoa, 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 yeah. step back!" But that's when you gotta you don't, and, and I know that you gotta start like you gotta you gotta be calm and. But it's like, you didn't need to go there. Like I'm now when I'm nice to you, you're going to think, and then that's part of it too. Is like, they're going to think they won against me. It's like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be nice to you. Right. Like you don't need to come at me like that upset, that angry, because now if for whatever reason I'm being a jerk to you and I'm not responding to you, then you could start saying, maybe this needs to go to eBay. Right. But until then, like, don't start that way. Right. And that but goes both ways. But that's real life. That's anything. It's, the moment somebody gets to you, they won, period, every single time. I mean, I can't tell you, you know, I had some run-ins when I was, you know, an administrator. And, you know, the moments where I failed was the moments that that parent or that student, you know, said something that I just was like, okay, I'm, I'll never forget. I'm not going to share too much. But I had, uh, I had one time where I had someone that 
wanted one of my faculty to apologize to them and the entire class. It wasn't even like a serious scenario. And it really bothered me. I'm like, who are you to come in and talk about one of these professionals that I know personally and has worked here for several years and loves your child and loves everybody else. And I just looked at them and I, I I was thinking this in my head and I just go, no, this isn't happening. I think we're done. Have a great day. That was a terrible call on my part, right? It got to me. I let them get to me and they won. Cause then what did I have to do? It's not like it ended there. It's just like eBay. Like if you react in a personal way to someone and then a case gets opened up or a negative feedback, like when you're calling eBay, you're going to have to make amends. Yeah. yeah you're going to have to, you're going to have to deal with it sooner or later. Might as well deal with it now. And, and yeah, it's important to try and be calm. And the other thing too, is I like, I like what you said with even you get them when you do the, the, Hey, thanks. Like, good luck with your business. Well, you know that they're not saying that in a nice way. No, I like, know. And you say like, thanks. Like, I hope my business does good. Thanks for encouraging me. Right. So you can say that. And I feel like there's a way of getting them with that in the same way. Like this is another example. Again, we're talking about less than 1% of buyers, by the way. Yeah. It, but, but that 1% is the one, it's the squeaky wheel, right? Yeah. It's the one that you think about. But like going back to that idea of road rage, I have <laughs> never, I've never once flipped somebody off in road rage. It's just, I don't, I don't do that kind of stuff. Okay. But what people do to me, it bugs me. And sometimes I get really angry, but when I'm like really want to get at somebody, I'm calm enough. I'll blow a kiss at them. Like <laughs> I'll just like I'll just this like, podcast just took a different turn. What because in the I, world is if going you on? Smile here? and you blow a kiss at them. It infuriates them in a way that you cannot even. And so at that point, I can just smile knowing, oh, I won this one. Okay. Like they are so <laughs> mad. I've never heard Mike share that ever. That oh. was brand new. Well, I it, it doesn't. You heard it here first. Only, only when I'm a podcast. Enough. But yeah, like, and that's kind of what you're doing with some buyers, and not the buyers, right? If it's a buyer. You, you don't do the it. kiss emojis. No, yeah, that's a bad idea. Right? You need to resolve <laughs> the issue. But if it's if it's somebody who's a potential buyer and they're being rude to you, don't let them get you. You can go ahead and get them by being nice, right? Like it really kindness, does. Kindness, it, it kindness. Them. Even if it's wow. sarcastic kindness. Okay. <laughs> All right. Let's go to when to go silent because we just talked about plenty about how to. How, hopefully, this has been helpful so far. <laughs> okay. So, well, number one, I think we already mentioned. Like for me. If it's too many questions or if it seems like people are being derogatory or just, you know, you could always go to eBay on Solar Hub and click on the mark as answered. That's it. Like, you're done. I've never done that. Well, I don't think you have to. I do it for, why do you think I do it? Well, I mean, it covers your tail, But there's always right? one reason I do things. Like, this is why I'll do every eBay survey. This is why I'll ship on time. This is why, like, I'll send algorithm. offers. Algorithm. Algorithm. Okay, I, I can't say that does anything, but you know. But see, I, I I do mostly on my phone. I'm not even sure if that's an option. Like a it's lot not. of times, people message me, and yeah, like there's times where I go silent, and I didn't even really know there was an option to say like answered. You can't do on Seller Hub. You can. Okay. You can't do it on the phone. It'd be nice if you could, if they give you a drop down and you know question, because uh, on Amazon you could put like uh, no response needed, because I get you get spammers all the time on Amazon messages, and so you could put no response needed. But some sellers have told me like they respond to those spams, spam messages on Amazon to trigger the algorithm. So I don't know. It's just interesting. All right. Do it for the algorithm. Do it. Hey, I got an idea. Anyways, okay. You know where I'm going with that one. 
so we talked about when I go, okay, here's another reason when to be so we already talked about, you know, when it's subjective questions, which Mike and I are hundred percent agreed upon, but you know, if it's like, Hey, how does this fit real true to size? Or, you know, does this fit larger than, you know, the measurement says, or something that, you know, is this actually an excellent condition or is it used like those for me, you go silent. Yeah. And I think, I think there's a time and a place where it can be like, okay, is this true to size? You could say, and I've seen you do this. The, the measurement armpit to armpit is this, the measure, like give them the measurements and let them determine whether correct, or not. Correct. It's, it's, but that's objective. That's why I like Well, you're giving an objective answer correct. to a subjective question, right? So that's, that's, I think that's a fair thing to do at that point. And then the other one was condition question. We already talked about that. And this is the other one we've Wait, talked so about. so you're saying 100% if they ask condition, like you wouldn't answer? No, because if I already said used or used but not abused or gently used or, you know, or sometimes when it's something that's like distressed, I'll put distressed. Please look at the pictures. Like, Because I had somebody. Okay, I, maybe. I, I saw a lot one. of. Well, I mean, more, more than one. I'm just interested in what you think about this. So I have a lot of, I've sold a lot of um, Sperry Topsiders, right? Okay. And I had one person message me and, and they were polite with the with their question. And I don't feel like they were trying to be rude, but it was just like, hey, can you, you you said that the, the condition is good, but can you give me, and they asked for like some specifics about the sole. And they said like, these shoes are notorious for, for the shoes breaking, the soles breaking down at the, at the certain point, right? And they told me like where to check to see if it's starting to separate, right? So I feel like, at that point, like, would you would you go silent on that, or would I you? would? Okay, I just wouldn't touch it because, again, it's you know, several things can happen. One, you could check, and maybe you're not checking exactly what they told told you. Two, when you ship it, something could happen while it's being shipped, right? Three, they're just you know, I, I sometimes wonder if people rent your items, you know, like your shoes or your shirt, and so to me, it's I'd rather have the person that outright buys it, and that's it. And if it gets damaged after, then sure, I'll do the return. That's not a problem. But to me, it's just it's it's too much. Interesting. Yeah, I think I think I I typically answer those. So I I don't know whether or not I'm right or wrong on that. Um, but if I don't know something, I'm very clear with I don't know. Right. Yeah, like I it's think like, no. Honesty is you know you get the question like, hey, so where where'd you get this? How do you answer that? I had one person ask, is that a is that a nine ninety nine price mark on the bottom of the shoe? Nice. That, that you're awesome. selling for 39. And I almost wanted to respond like, yeah, I got to make money too. Right. Like, well, you, I've, I've done it before. The way I, I handle it is like, no, I'm the second owner of this item. Right. That's usually how I answer. And then they can decide. I mean, you got to think now in society, like most people know that there are resellers that not everyone, but most people should, by now, I think, know that People resell items from thrift stores and garage sales. Do you think, though, there's a place, and maybe when you're a reseller, you don't want this customer, so it's okay. But um, I think as a buyer, like I'm thinking specific items like camera equipment, okay? I would much rather know that I'm purchasing it from a photographer or videographer who's selling their equipment than from a reseller, right? Because then I know that whether or not they're the first, second owner, like they really know the condition of it. Like they can say like, they're not just going to say like some minor cosmetic wear. They're going to say like, um, you know, the software freezes a little bit at this point, like they know the item, they've taken care of it. So like, is it bad that a customer wants to know, like, are you the real owner? Or no, you... I don't think it's bad. I, I think feedback goes a long way. Uh, you know, I, and I know it's hard to keep a hundred percent, but feedback to me, it's important to try to keep it as high as possible because one, it communicates that, 
you know, this person sells items that are legitimate and quality and so on. And number two, that this seller will resolve because they, you know, they have to know that sellers, you know, will resolve things, right? There's why there's just, I don't think there's a way to have over, you know, let's say a thousand or 2000 or 10,000, hundred percent feedback without running into issues. Right. So this seller is willing to work with issues. Right. Cause you've seen those feedbacks where it's like this person never responded or I messaged them several times. Like when I buy stuff on eBay and I see that I, I sometimes go, you know, I don't want to buy from this person. So I think it goes two two ways. So, all right. And this one, and I don't know where you land on this, but I go silent whenever there's a rant after I already offered a return. Like, that's it. Like, if somebody says, hey, this this item, you know, I expected it to be this way. Like, for instance, I just got one where it was like, it was a new tag shirt. And the person said, hey, I own several of these shirts and this shirt's too small. Now, the snarky personality in me wanted to say something. And there's multiple ways you could approach that one, right? I just said, hey, I'm sorry I didn't meet your expectations. You're welcome to re send it back for a full refund. That's it. Then they message again. You know, like, hey, so where'd you pick this up? Da, 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 da. I'm not going to answer that. I already, I already gave you the reply. You can return it. If you don't return it, then no refund. You return it, I'll give you a refund. That's it. And I've never had an issue with eBay. You know, for me, it's this is why I'm a big proponent of free returns. I know that's controversial, but... I, I do believe in, and I think eBay has actually stated this at times that offering free 30 day returns ultimately protects you from INAD cases. What are your thoughts on that? I think you're right. <laughs> All right. Well, that's good to hear. I don't always hear that from Mike. So it's nice when I do. Well, maybe it's because you're so often right that it would just be obnoxious for me to say it every oh, time. Oh, that, that was so kind. That was, that was good. That was really good. You should like this video just because of that comment. All right. Hey, on that note, before we, we're going to about to jump into the hustle of the week, but I have one more question for Mike. But before we do that, hey, if you haven't had a chance yet, you're listening to us on the podcast. If you're listening to us on iTunes, if you could do us a favor and just, you know, write a review if you get a chance or just give us, you know, that five-star rating. That would be awesome. We're, we're trying to build up that review. So we're hiring the search. If you're listening to a podcast and you haven't jumped on to YouTube yet, feel free to subscribe and hit that notification. And we're going to be dropping some videos here in about a month or so. We got to get through eBay open and everything going on, but some good things are happening. And, you know, we got the Craigslist Center interview too. You want to be notified as soon as that drops. And uh, if you haven't had a chance, we're on Instagram, always dropping knowledge. Sometimes we have giveaways, PRSO Podcast on Instagram, PRSO Podcast on Facebook, PRSO Cast on Twitter. And if you want to give us a call, give us a call, 619-738-1170. That's 619-738-1170. Or you can shoot us an email at Podcast at gmail.com. And if you ever want to say thank you in a monetary way, there is a PayPal link below. And thank you again. I, you know... There's some, I, uh, it's just so like mesmerizing to me. We have some awesome followers that just go, you know what? Pure the podcast has helped us out. And whenever I, you know, I make a decent profit, I, I love giving them a, a certain cut of it. And I'm like, wow, like I'm just blown away by the kindness. So anyways, there's that link below. Thank you all that have continually supported us in a monetary way. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Super awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Are you ready for these? They're not bolos, but they're kind of like bolos. Hustle of the week. Hustle of the week. Now, before we get to that, um, okay. 
at the beginning of the episode, we dropped the big news about the uh, Craigslist Hunter interview coming up and our future uh, proposed interview schedule. Um, we didn't also mention, though, another really big announcement. Do we want to talk about the uh, that? Are we? Uh, I don't know. There's a few things happening. Uh, okay, are you trying to eBay open? Uh-huh. Well, we'll be at eBay open. We will be at eBay open. Okay. And we've also had the opportunity to have a, I don't know, a greater presence at eBay open. Right. So we may be on, on a couple of solar panels. So if you get a chance and, and come support some Pure Soul podcast, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Super awesome. If you're there. I mean, I, I, I'm just super humbled. Like I, I just, you know, even Mike and I kind of hesitated sharing this because, you know, we've been in the, we've been doing this for a year and we're just like, wow, like I, I don't even know. I have no words for how I feel about, you know, how grateful I am for this opportunity. Yeah, super exciting. So we just wanted to put that out there and again say, you know, how blessed we are for for the opportunity and and just to encourage you if you're not going uh, to eBay Open, I think it's sold out, right? It is sold out. So we're going to be providing content the entire time we're there. We're going to be putting out episodes. Uh, the plan is putting an episode every single day while we're there. And um, on Instagram stories every day. So if you don't follow us on Instagram, make sure to follow us. We're also interviewing a couple people while we're there. Yeah, we're going to be doing some interviews, which is going to be awesome. Uh, so if you're not there. You'll feel like you're there, yeah. You know, because we're gonna be By tuning in content. Um, but if you are there, come check us out at the seller panel. It'd be so cool. We'd love to have have your support while we're there because it's it's a little scary, right? Like, no, it's, I'm it's, telling it's, you, it is. It's, I'm, you know, it's it's a little bit uh, it's scary. And so it'd be nice to have a few people there who are like, you know, who can validate the fact that you know maybe. Well, we here's a good thing. We're on a pan. We're on, on the panels. We're on. There are some incredible sellers that are going to be on the same panel with us. So. No matter what, the room's going to be packed. But if you like to come out and just support Pure Hustle Podcast, we're yeah. good with it. Like you could you could hold up a little Pure Hustle Podcast sign <laughs> or, or like a cut out of Orlando's head, like a giant one. No, no, that, that would be, be no, like, no, we're not going yeah. there. Okay. But cool. hey, if you're at eBay Open and you see us, come say hi, come say what's up. Like there's no better time to socialize and to network. And we'll be at some of the other events, you know, there's that reception on Tuesday night. Then there's that thing at the House of Blues on Thursday night. And there's going to be all these other opportunities. And so it's just going to be awesome. And, uh, yeah, just come say hi. Let's talk. You know, it's, it's going to be. A, I'm just so excited. I'm kind of a little timid that we shared that. But, hey, it's going to it be is. good. Yeah. It's out there now. It's out there. Thank you guys for all your support. We would not be where we're at if it was not for all of you out there who consistently listen to the podcast. Follow us on social media. Watch our YouTube. Super grateful. All right, hustle of the week. Okay. So hey, hey I we've, wanted to just we've say talked thank about you. we've talked about us enough. No, no, uh, we I'm can't say about thank them. you enough. Um, we'll never be able to say thank you. Enough. That is true. Okay. Well, you're starting off this hustle of the week. Hustle of the week. <laughs> we really we should get no. We're not going to do soundboard. All right. Okay. Um, I don't know. I might. It'd be kind of cool. Like a little. I just I just think I'd go crazy with the soundboard. Like I'd be hitting random buttons all the time. It'd be kind of cool. Like ching, I hit the ch- and like freak everybody out. Everybody will check. As long their as phone. it doesn't get awkward, you know. Anyways, okay, give us your give us the like first a hustle chicken mocking like randomly in the background every once in a while. Okay, All right, hustle. We're moving on now. So first one is uh, Lisa at uh, Instagram handle at Green Mum Four. Uh, so this is actually a Mug Life hustle of the week, which mug is life? pretty sweet, right? Check out our Mug Life video if you haven't yet. Man, that was fun. It's um, legit. So, found a vintage Ray Dunn at the thrift store on a quick run going home. Uh, picked Repeat it up. Repeat that again. Uh, a vintage Ray Dunn. Okay. At a thrift store. 
Is that like a big thing? I don't even know what Ray Dunn is. So Ray Dunn, to me, when I think Ray Dunn, I think Marshalls. Okay. Right? Because it's very, it's huge as far as like, you know, new releases come out, Ray Dunn. And there's also, there's always these sellers that are like waiting for Marshalls to open their door. And actually, uh, one of my uh, former students got into reselling and she went like Ray Dunn crazy. Sorry if you're listening. I had to share this story. And then she ended up with overstock of Ray Dunn. Oh, that's a bummer. But no. if you hold on to it long enough, it becomes vintage. There you go. But. This is unique because this is vintage redone. All right, go ahead. Which which we determined what is is from the nineties or before? Anything that's twenty years old or older is vintage. Nice, that's good. So, All right, so, so vintage. I'm vintage. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm vintage. Um, so picked it up, picks it up, looks at it, puts it down. And then it's like, you know what? I'm going to look up comps, which is what I'd have to do. I don't even usually look at mugs, right, at all. Yeah. So I would have um, never looked at this mug. So looks at the mug, sees the Ray Dunn, sees it's vintage, looks up comps, buys this mug for $1.99. $1.99. You know, I don't think we can buy mugs for $1.99 in San Diego. Well, sometimes. $4.99. Yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty typical. Okay, go ahead. $4.99. But, you know, you never know. It depends on where you're going. Um, sells it for $300. That's just crazy to me. That's mug, like that's real mug life. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're if you're buying a, a five dollar mug and flipping it for ten dollars, and you end up with a net profit of thirty cents, that's not mug life. If you're buying a mug for a dollar ninety nine and flipping it for three hundred, that's mug life. Straight up, <laughs> mug life. That's when Baller you should. That's right when there. you should wear a mug life shirt. Yeah. So. All right. You should get a picture of you holding that mug and then put that picture on a mug. That's how mug life that is. There you go. There you go. Anyways, speak. Okay, we'll talk about mugs another time. All right. Hey, Lisa, congrats. That is an incredible sale. Not only because it's high dollar amount, but it is vintage Ray Dunn. So that is legit. Yeah. All right. So mine is a fairly new follower. Like this was like their first post. I don't say post. First post. On Instagram. Wow. So this is Andrew at Drew's Deals. Now, this one's close to my heart. Because I'll explain a little bit. They picked up a pair of Vans shoes at the store that shall not be named. Oof. At, you know, I want to make that trending. Let's get it trending. Like, anytime you find something at the store that shall not be named, just hashtag it. Or, or no, because then the store that shall not be named will catch on. I don't know. Somehow. Oh, good. Let them be catched on. <laughs> Let them be catched on. That was good. Good grammar, so they found that at the store. And if you don't know what we mean by the store that shall not be named, just think of that smiley face it's logo. Goodwill. We don't like Goodwill. Oh, no. You can't say it. No, we like Goodwill. It's a store that shall not be named. Wait, did you just say we like Goodwill? We 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 like we like people at Goodwill. I, I'd hate no, to say no, we don't okay, like no. Goodwill. There are awesome people that work there. We don't like, I have friends there. Yes. We don't like Goodwill's current pricing structure. The store that shall not be named. Okay, let's move on. All right. So, Andrew. Find a pair of Vans for $9.99, which some people be like, that's a crazy price. In San Diego, we're like, that's a good price. But then notices that they're mating the USA Vans. You know what that means? Um, I don't, but I'm excited to hear. It means they're vintage. It means they're money. So picks up these made in the USA Vans, lists them, sells them within two hours. For $250. Made in USA Vans. Keep an eye for them. Yeah, that is that is a bolo. So, made in the USA Vans. 
I don't know if I shared this in the podcast, but I was at the store that shall not be named like three years ago. Did I share this? My van story? I don't know. Maybe. So I see these vans with the box. Okay. Three pairs of vans with the box for $12 a piece. They all said made in the USA. One of them had like this, the neon colors on the box. Like it looks from the eighties. So I'm going to kind of make this my hustle of the week along with Andrew's hustle of the week. Oh, we have to have a hustle of the week. Start thinking, Mike. So this is a hustle of the week from three years ago, but I wanted to share this because so Andrew, awesome. Like seriously, the fact that you pick, because vans that are vintage, sometimes they're very unassuming. Like you don't like notice that they're like, there's really nothing to show you that they're vintage except for the made in the USA tag that's on there. Okay. So it's usually on the back. It's on the heel. It says made in the USA. So awesome muscle week. So these, this was like, I didn't even know about that. So I went to the Goodwill. You I went saw to the, the what? Oh, can we edit this? Unbelievable. Okay. Sorry. Right. Unbelievable. I went to the you store. You gave me a hard time. Okay. I went to the store. Shall not be named. They were in the case. I took them out. I started researching. One was going for 300. One was going for 400. So, but all, and here's the thing. I couldn't buy those fast enough. Cause you know what happened is like all the employees gathered like, Hey, so is there any value to those? Like, do we price them too low? Like, those are pretty cool. Like those are the questions that I'm just like, it's time for me to have my rude face and just go, I got to buy it. I got to really go. So that's what I did. I just kind of just said, no, they're probably valuable. I got to do some more research. And I did, I had to do more research. I did some, but I didn't know if they're the exact kind. So I qu- actually, I bought them, put them in my car and then came back and did some more shopping. So I bought all three pairs for $36. I sold my first pair. I want to say for about, this was like two, three years ago. For $400 with shipping. And by the way, these vans, like the glue was like melting on them, like overrunning. Like they're, you know, because from storage. Sold the second pair for $300. I still have one more pair I need to sell. That was, for me, that's kind of like, that was one of my holy grail hustles. So this story from Andrew at Drew's Deals on Instagram was close to my story. And that's why I wanted to share it because I'm like, keep an eye. and, And here's the thing. I think one of my pairs of shoes went to some kind of museum or something. Yeah, isn't that cool? I had a I had something I bought from the 99 cent store. It was a toy from a movie. A 99 cent store? Yeah. Interesting. I tried that a little bit. I was like, well, can I get some stuff that 99 cent store? No, no, store? some people do that. And it was a toy from a cartoon movie and it sold to a studio, like some kind of movie studio, which was like the name of like their their thing. Okay, and I'm okay. like, how weird is that? Like, <laughs> like hey. They needed a prop or something. Who knows? Yeah, I think I've sold a few things that have been props for nice. someone's indie film or something. But. Usually those are awesome because they want overnight shipping. Yeah, they just, want it fast. And they don't care. Usually they don't care if it's a prop. They don't care about like... If it's worn or just... Yeah, yeah they yeah. just want, you know... No INAD. Yeah. Awesome. We wanted to take a quick moment to thank our sponsors for this episode. So, great hustle. All right, Mike. Not right. yours. We got one more listener. All hustle. right. So we've got one from Alex, Instagram handle at flip for more, uh, which is pretty sweet. Uh, so went to an estate sale and got in his car to leave, but decided to go back and pick up a typewriter for 20 bucks. That's big. Like a lot of times, like you, you leave and then you do a little bit more thinking, or maybe you do your research in the car, which is always scary. Cause I remember the first time we went garage selling, you told me like, if you 
are bartering with somebody, then you go in your car and then you go back, like you've already lost the barter, right? Oh, agreed. But sometimes there's been a few times where like, I'm not sure if I want something or maybe I didn't look hard enough. Well, Alex goes back, decides to pick up this typewriter, gets it for $20, sells it for $299 plus $63 shipping within 12 hours. That's $299. Yeah, that's that's pretty low. Two hours. Now, I will say, you know, when everything sells that fast, it's concerning to me. But again, this is one of those things why you use Therapy, right? Because that'll give you a whole year's range. We're not sponsored by Therapy, by the way, but it's been a great tool. But here's what's funny is that him and there's another IG handle, Sir Flips a lot. They were like competing who would get the first kind of house of the week. And he actually said he's going to play this in the warehouse. So props to you, yeah. Alex. Flip for more. All you listening in the warehouse. This was his hustle of the week. Straight up, Alex. Straight hustler. Hustle <laughs> of the week. I hope this is just blaring in the warehouse. $299 plus $63 shipping. Greatest hustler ever. There you go. So boom. Hey, thank you guys. Thank you so much, Lisa. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, Alex. Thanks for sharing your hustle of the week. Again, always hashtag hustle of the week if you have something. You know, maybe we'll have like a just hustle of the week episode because we get we're getting a lot of them now. Yeah. And we just go through all of them. I don't know how that would go as far as like people going, yeah, I want to listen to 30 hustles of the week. But hey, please bring them, bring them on. And you know, we love hearing even from the hey, five dollars to fifty. For, to the $5, $5 to the, you know, 1000 So, all right. I already shared my house of the week. So are you ready? I was cheating. All right. Mine's, uh, I guess, a little different, uh, especially because um, this last week for me, I was the garage sale. And coming up on one of our update episodes, I'm going to have to talk quite a bit about my garage sale because, okay. man, let me tell you, like, I, I learned a lot about <laughs> what we do reselling, doing the garage sale. Uh, and I have some pretty amazing stories Interesting. Uh, to tell from that, including one about a possum. So make sure to ask me about that next time. It's going to be a long but- <laughs> time to the update episode. I hope you remember all this. So, but anyways, I, I, I sold quite a few things of this. I think the one though that like really, um, I'm just going to call it my hustle, was right before um, this garage sale, I went to my my in-laws have this Connex on their property that we stored some stuff. What's the Connex real quick? So a Connex, so like a big like metal storage bin, like a train car type okay, you know, okay. storage. And so um, when my wife and I first moved to San Diego, we moved to like a really small place. And so we had to put a bunch of our stuff in storage. So we stored stuff in there and most everything in there got ruined. Like a lot of stuff, like it just got Man, beat up, rough. like, you know, mice got in there. It just, it, it, it didn't hold up, which is okay. We ended up going in there and kind of said like, why did we keep any of this stuff anyways? Right. Like, <laughs> you know, six years later, if you didn't, haven't used it, you probably don't need it. And so, um, also I used to ride a motorcycle and, um, another thing I did not know about Mike. Really? I did not know. Yeah. That. I got, I got in a, a pretty good motorcycle. Accident. Would you blow kisses from your bike? Oh yeah. That would be good. I don't <laughs> think I did. All right. Um, keep going. But, uh, so I sold my motorcycle when I first moved to San Diego but I still had my like a motorcycle jacket, motorcycle helmets, helmets. We'd already talked about like not a good idea to mm-hmm. sell. So I got rid of the helmets. I just threw those away, but I had a jacket and I'm thinking it had a little rip in it. I bought this jacket on clearance um, at a motorcycle shop because it got returned. Cause it had like a little rip in the side. It was a nice leather jacket, but I think I, I paid like $50 for it when I bought it brand new. It's been sitting in storage. Almost everything in that Connex got thrown away, but I kept that and a couple of other things. I sold that plus the, some gloves that went with it for like $65 at the nice. garage sale. And I just like thought to myself, like, 
So this is the garage sale that you were running yeah, to so sell I, stuff to go to the trailer. Yep. Yep. Okay. So so it was like us downsizing. And so we sold so many things from our house, which is a really weird experience to like basically sell everything. I'm that interested. You own. I, I can't wait to hear. You know, but um, but it was kind of cool. Like I sold this jacket that I have not worn in the last, I don't know, it's been like six or seven years since I've worn this jacket. I was going to just throw it away because I was like, man, everything out here, it's just not, I'm just going to throw these totes out. I decided to keep that. And it was one of the the pricier things that sold. And the guy that I sold it to, one of the things that made a cool hustle is I actually talked to him for like a good 10 minutes. It was, a, it was an interesting guy used to ride like professional motorcycles, like races. He would do mm. races. And he was telling me some of his stories. He was going to Brazil and one of his friends was like a motorcycle rider there. And he's like, I'm going to bring this to him as a gift. Like, I think this would be cool. Mm. So it was just neat to be able to talk to somebody and, you know, know that it was going to a new home and wasn't just going to sit in a, in a giant shed unit. So it's kind of cool. You never know what you have laying around your house. That could become your hustle of the week. Nice. So that, that is a hustle. I mean, you sold it for more than you paid for it. Yeah. That's awesome. Years later. That's, you know, I will say that's one of the things I do enjoy about doing it. Like when I did, I used to do rummage sales, like stuff from my own place. And it was nice to sell stuff for more than you originally got it. So, hey. Yeah, there are a few we'll stop loss that. things. There are a few things that I sold that was like, I bought this when I first started reselling. It was probably a bad buy. Oh, you, you got rid of stuff like I that got too. A few, I got rid of a few things. Some of the things I like made my money back. Some I didn't make quite my money back, but it was like, it's out of my inventory. I recouped some of my costs. So. Oh, good. Yeah. So if you've got a bunch of inventory sitting around, that might be something to consider too. Or you could be like Orlando and have it listed for six years. You still sell. <laughs> Anyways. All right. Those are our hustles of the week. All right. It's time for us to talk. Worst case scenario. Oh, gosh. Worst okay. case scenario. So we can, you know, there's only so many. There's a lot of worst case scenarios. The first one there is. There can only be one worst case scenario. What is that? Well, it's the worst case. Like you can have that a lot true. of worst case scenarios. Okay. Well, <laughs> okay. You're right. You're right. Thank you, English teacher. Okay. So you have a lot of bad scenarios. Okay. These are the ones you don't want to deal with. Have you gotten the, this is fake? Have oh. you got one of those? Oh, yeah. How'd you respond to that? Now I've, so this is a buyer buy something and then claims it's fake. I've, I don't think I've, um, I've had one do that, maybe two do that after they bought it. And at that point I just say, I so sorry. I can't believe that happened. Like it must be a misunderstanding. I usually just tell them to keep it. If it's, if it's a cheap thing and I refund them, otherwise I say, go ahead and send it back to me. Um, because if it like legitimately, like I, I sold a pair of like, I don't know, like, workout leggings and they said that they were fake which i really don't think they were but i think i made like 15 dollars off of them it wouldn't be worth paying to have them sh sent back and to send them again and if they really were fake it was like eh, it's not even worth selling it again so i, I think you, you kind of make up for that but um i just uh i do the refund okay so i would advise that you don't do anything to put yourself in a place that you're admitting that it's fake or that there's a possibility that it's fake. Two reasons. One, we're, you know, unless it's like an expert, like, so unless it's like Burberry buys a Burberry jacket from you and claims that it's fake. Okay. Kind of dead to rights. Right. But if it's just a buyer, like it doesn't matter, you know, how much they bought, like ultimately it's your word against their word. Right. Now, if you go to an authority and which, you know, most of these eBay things aren't ever going to go to authority. So my recommendation is same line with anything. 
hey, I'm sorry that didn't meet your expectations. You're welcome to return it for a free refund. I mean, for not free, for a full refund. And just end it there. And if they go, well, this is fake, go, hey, unfortunately, based on all my research, the item is authentic. I never sell fake stuff, but you're welcome to return it for a full refund. And just end it there. Because think about it, if you're eBay, right? They call eBay. Like that person can't automatically say that you're selling fake stuff either. Right. I mean, how they don't even have the product in their hands. Now, if you have a consistent thing where you sold like, you know, you have like 10 sales and people are accusing you of things being fake, then eBay is going to step in. Yeah. But if it's a one off, that's really hard. Yeah. And I think there's the I think there's the case to be made that. um, You know, you don't want to obviously admit guilt if you're if you if you legitimately don't think it's fake. But I think. But you other, don't you don't sell fake. I no. like I don't I would say none of us. Unless you're purposely trying to be deceitful, sell anything fake. Right. But so, but you it is possible that you make a mistake and you oh, I have. I've sold like I had two fake Supreme shirts. And I didn't know until the person messaged me and said, Hey, based on the stitching I see in the picture, those are fake. And I validated it and I said, you know what? I'm sorry that that was, you know, an accident. This was before I shipped it out. Now, had I shipped it out and they said it was fake, I would have done the same line. I'm sorry, that didn't meet your expectations. Placing that back for a full refund. Now, I think where, and maybe you could do more research later on your own when you get the item back. I just think it would, if it really is a fake and and you're kind of just stuck on the idea of like, I sold this, they're lying, it's not really a fake. So I'm going to get it back and then I'm going to sell it again. And if it really is a fake, I think the second time you sell it, you're have more likely of, of really ending up in trouble if eBay is like, hey, this is the second time this item has been reported fake. Like now you look like you're selling fake stuff. I'm not saying sell it again. <laughs> I would not, but, but then how do you know? Okay. So like, let's okay, say I'll give you an example. So I had this, uh, Mitchell and S football Jersey. Okay. I had it listed for $250. So it was a, you know, it was a nice score. I picked it up for like $10 at the store that shall not be named. And somebody messaged me and somebody said, Hey, saw this Jersey. You know, I sell Mitchell and S jerseys all the time. Check out my eBay store. This is what I do. I'm an expert in this, blah, blah, blah. You know, you probably should take that listing down because it's fake. I'm like, all right. I look at the jersey. I compare it to other ones on eBay. And I'm like, there's no way to really tell that this is fake. Like, maybe this guy thought it was fake. But from my end, this is legit. So unless Mitchell and S say it's fake, like, I'm going to list this. So I did list it. And I sold it for $200. So I could have backed right away and just said, you know, you're right. Right. And for all well, I know, that could have been competition. You know what I mean? I don't know. Cause there were two or three other jerseys that were the same, but mine was the best one. Cause it was new with tags. So in that instance, for me, it was like, Hey, that's their interpretation. This is my interpretation. And then when I sold it, the person that bought it got positive feedback, nothing negative. Mm-hmm. Right. So this is why I'm saying like in these scenarios, this is, a lot of the times, unless it's a real expert, to me, it's you do the refund line. And that's just my suggestion. And again, all these things that we're suggesting, suggesting we're not giving you business advice. Okay. We're not legally bound by any of this. We're just saying, hey, this is what we've experienced and this is what we've done. Well, that's good. So I don't know. Yeah. Sometimes, like you said, you, I get occasionally messages ahead of time where the person says like, this item is fake before they buy it, which... Sometimes can be really helpful. Um, sometimes, um, you know, like you said, it could be competition. Other times it's, <clears> it's you know, they point out that you've maybe got an error in your listing. Like one time 
I listed something as linen in the description and um, in the description, but then in the item details, it was not linen. It was whatever the other fabric was that it actually was. So somehow like I copied a listing and it, mm -hmm. it was wrong. Yeah. And so, but the person like messaged me like the rudest message ever, like this is not actually linen. You need to correct your thing immediately, blah, blah, blah. You are trying to deceive people. Did, did you like, reply with an offer? Did you reply with an offer? <laughs> I'm just joking. And a kissy face. There you go. The emoji. The emoji. <laughs> I will think of Mike every time I see that emoji now. So, but hey, but here's the thing. If you've taken your time and in good faith done the research and done everything possible and it's really hard for you to ascertain whether it's fake or not, it's up to you, right? I would say with certain brands, I'd be really careful. But it's funny because, you know, I, I think... Like people are going to fake Louis Vuitton. People are going to fake Chanel, Supreme, stuff like that. But let's say you have like a, I don't know, a brand that isn't like Danner Boots. Like I don't see people making fake Danner Boots. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. there's some made in USA, made in China Danner Boots, which there's a difference. But no one's really, no company's going to go out of their way unless it's a mass produced item. Unless they're geniuses, right? Like it's better to counterfeit ones than hundreds, right? Like what if people have that idea? Like it's but better to counterfeit. Well, I agree. But like it's probably more likely that a company, not a company, a, a deceitful individual could sell and counterfeit lots of middle of the road items as opposed to like the high end, like, you know, Louis Vuitton. Like you're going to have a really hard time doing a fake Louis Vuitton and getting away with it as opposed to, yeah, if it's like a, a random Macy's brand, you could probably sell lots of them and nobody would ever even think to check. No, I, I see what you're saying. So, okay, but we're not giving that kind of, you know, no, I'm not suggestion. Out there. No, no, no. I'm, <laughs> I'm just messing. I'm messing. Yeah, I'm not saying, I'm not saying you should do that. I'm just saying like there could be a lot in circulation because the people who make forgeries, like, cause you, I, you're right. Like it, it seems weird. Like why would somebody make a forgery of something that's, you know, like a middle of the road brand? Like if it's mm -hmm. not worth a lot. But like you said, there's sometimes those items where, I don't know. Like, is it a wish.com version of it? You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like, I always I wonder that when I see things, even at the thrift store, I'm like, uh, is this really a real one? No, I, I get it. I get it. But again, then we could have a whole conversation about bootleg. Yeah, at that that's. I've seen people on IG selling bootleg now on eBay. Don't, do not, I, I'm 100% saying do not sell bootleg on eBay. There Just my go. thoughts. All right. What about negative feedback? Have you had some negative feedback and how do you deal with it? I had one uh, and it kind of comes up with our next uh, topic. So I'll give that specific example. But I, recently I had what I was certain was going to lead to negative feedback and it didn't. Um, I, I don't think it led to positive either. It was just middle of the road. Uh, you know, no, I'm not going to tell that story. I'm going to tell about my, you mentioned my neutral. Yeah. Right. I do have one neutral on my account and it bugs that would me. Bother me. It bothers me. It bugs me a lot. And it's the weirdest thing. Like, I'm glad it didn't turn into negative, but but neutral is still annoying. So this person messages me about this radio that I was selling. It was like a portable radio. You pulled the little antenna up and it looked really cool and retro, but it was like a newer one. And the person messaged me and I should have just gone silent from the beginning, but I'm wanting to make sales, right? I'm a newer reseller. And they message me and they say, is the volume scratchy? Right. And I'm not 100% sure what they mean by that. So... I respond to any, everything I think it could be. I said, like, I've turned the volume on. It works. Um, I've tried multiple stations. Volume comes in clear. I put the knob, like, turns up and down smoothly. There's no, like, resistance. Like, it's not, it's like the knob doesn't get so Anything that could be, like, volume scratchy, like, 
I, it, it seems to work just fine for a radio, right? I've tested it. And they say, okay, great, because I need one that's not scratchy. My radio is scratchy. And I'm like, all right. Nice. So I sell it to them. <clears throat> then I get negative feedback. And this went to like, uh, like a small little town in Alaska, right? It's like middle of nowhere. I get and the neutral feedback and the response was, or their, their message was, volume is scratchy. And then I finally put two and two together. And I'm like, you know what I think they're talking about is, you know how you get static on radio stations? Yeah. When it, so unless you're like like right in the perfect area of of a station and you're tuned in perfectly, like you get a little bit of static. Like just think AM, right? You know, if you're out in the woods and you're turning to radio, like there's always going to be a little bit of static unless you're perfectly in tune to that station and you're close to the signal. Yeah. And so I'm like, oh my goodness, this person gave me a neutral feedback because he's in an area where he does not get good FM radio reception. So terrible. He's got static on his radio and he blamed the radio for that. And he blamed me for that. Like the volume was loud, crystal clear. There was no distortion, right? That's what I thought maybe he meant by scratchy. Yeah. No, he meant the static on a, on a radio station. Like how can I possibly know what your reception is in your area? Seriously? At least it wasn't a negative feedback. But, you should have sent those emojis. No. I'm, so so what happened with oh. that neutral? Were you able to get it removed? Did you I haven't even it? tried. I honestly I didn't think like it annoys me, but like I've never really thought of it as like, is it hurting my metrics? I don't think it is. I don't but. think it does. And I, I think neutral and now I want you to can can you call? Can you try to get it removed? Just so we for can, the story. Uh, yeah, so we can update. Should the I record the story and like yeah. we could listen to it? Yeah, on and the make podcast? an IG story. Yeah, it's or or put it on the podcast. Yeah. yeah. Like I want to know because I was okay. So negative feedback. If you get a negative feedback. There's two things you got to think about. Number one is if it's on you, right? Like it's you messed up, like that's going to, it's going to be hard, but you can still do it. Always, you know, don't take things personal. Always be apologetic. Always try to resolve things. I would say, again, prevent before you ever get to the place of negative feedback, right? So if somebody says, hey, you know, so for instance, I sometimes I've done it where I've sent something out and then I looked at my listing. I'm like, oh, wait. I noticed that there was this, you know, there was a hole here and I didn't put that on my listing. And so right away, I'm already contacting that person. Right. And so you want to do everything to stop it up front. Right. But the second thing is, if you get that negative feedback, right, always try to resolve everything with the buyer. Right. Especially if it's not your fault, still try to resolve it because eBay and I'm, this may be changing, but my experience with eBay with negative feedback has been. If you've done everything right, they'll remove it. If you've done everything right, but maybe there was just, you know, it's a difference of opinion. So you said the shirt was green, but the buyer says, no, this is actually teal or something. You know, then it's like eBay wants to see you did everything to make it right. Did you offer them a refund? Were you apologetic? Did you offer customer service? And the first person that picks up that phone, may not remove it. It may take the second or the third. I've had it by the fifth time that they finally removed it. So just think about that. Whoa, with negative. Orlando had negative feedback. I've had multiple <laughs> negative feedback. I don't have any right now, but I've, I've had, yeah, I've had, I've had a few. And most of the time, the best case scenario for you to get negative feedback is when you get one and they never communicated with you. Like you just out of the blue get one. Those are the best ones because you can put your best foot forward and initiate that conversation. 
right? And then what happens if they don't respond, you can call eBay and go, listen, I'm not sure why they left that, you know, whatever it was, this is a scenario. This is how I shipped it. This is not true. Whatever it is. And go say, Hey, I reached out to the buyer. I wanted to make things right. If you do returns, I offered them a full refund, but they never got back to me. And I wanted to make this right. And I, you know, I'm really asking, you know, this affects my business. Can, can we work to get that negative feedback removed? Right. And I always, I always word things like, can we work to make this right? Instead of just saying, please remove that negative feedback. I go, Hey, can we work at removing that feedback? Cause then, it, you know, kind of opens that conversation up instead right. of them just saying, no, sorry. You know what I'm saying? So that's the negative feedback. But again, I, I would say the best advice to not get negative feedback is to do all the preventative stuff. first. All right. What about, uh, do you want to do loss or damage in shipping? Is that what you wanted to share real quick? We've, uh, we've talked about that a lot. Yeah, yeah, we've talked about that quite a bit. I've, I had that one story I told where I did get a negative feedback and um, that got removed. No problem. Worked through UPS to get that taken care of. Um, I had one weird one with UPS recently um, where they said that it was delivered. The customer said they never got it. So we opened up the case with UPS and UPS originally said like, no, like we have sufficient evidence that it was delivered. So we sent that to eBay and like case got closed in your favor. Yeah. And then because you had tracking. Yep. Yep. Tracking is all good. Okay. And then like a couple of days later, UPS reopens up their end of the case and they say, actually, we don't have sufficient evidence. We are going to refund you for this item. Right. And refund who? Well, that was the whole thing. I was like, so like, I, I don't even remember exactly how it played out. But like they gave us the value of the the item back, what it was worth, what it sold for. We showed them the eBay stuff. And then we just refunded the customer because they said they never got it. And we felt bad for them because like we basically were like, well, sorry, UPS said you did. And then UPS later came back and said, actually, we don't think we did. We lost it. So it was a weird thing. See, in that scenario, my, you know, the way I handle it is whenever, if, if it shows tracking, like it's out of my hands. Yeah. Yeah. You've mentioned that. And I think that's true. I think that's good. But. But what would you do in that if it's like, sorry, like UPS said it, it was delivered. And then UPS then later says, or USPS or whoever says, actually, even though it showed delivered, we don't think it was. That's between UPS and the buyer. It, I, I you think step out of that? I think you're completely out of that. Hmm. Once it shows tracking, like you, your responsibility is done. You ship the item, you sent it back. Now, if the person lies and says, hey, I never, like, you know, I opened the box, there's no item there that's when you need to step in, right? Because then you got to open a case. You know, if this was the post office, you have to get fraud inspectors involved and get pictures of the packaging and all that. But if it's not that kind of scenario, okay, so let's talk about that real quick. If there's ever a case where a buyer says, I never got the item or you sent them something totally different, that's when you got to take action, right? Because that's when you got to open up a case with the post office. Hopefully you have stuff insured, most of the time, if things are more than $50, I always ship priority. Always. Always because you have that $100 through eBay of insurance, and then I use ship cover for anything extra. But if it's a scenario where it arrived and you shipped it and the person's claiming you never got it, that's not on you. That's on them. Because I've had so many times, let's say people are staying at a hotel or apartment building and they have the concierge up front that takes packages. Sometimes things have been stolen. Sometimes the concierge has misplaced it but you can't do anything about it. So why put all that extra effort when the buyer is the only one that can resolve that issue? 
But it, it, I, I agree to an extent. I just wonder if they always are able to, because I've had at least twice now where we've told the buyer, here's the tracking information, contact UPS or contact USPS. And they respond back and say, like, we called them and they told us that you have to do it on your end. So I don't know if that's the, just them being lazy or like, is it because we were the one that paid for the shipping, technically bought the shipping, right? So the way the I, customer for the post officer UPS, not the receiver of the item. I get it. I've I've had that before. I usually answer like, hey, that's interesting that they replied to you that way. I've you know I've been selling on eBay for years. I've had this scenario happen multiple times. You know, I'll give I'll give them a call. So I do give the person the benefit of the doubt. I'll give them a call, but most of the time it ends up being that. I can't really do anything on my end because the problem's over where you're located. Gotcha. So I call them. And then if the, you know, if the post office wants me to do something, I'll do it. But every time I've done that, the post office is like, have them contact their local branch or UPS is, says, Hey, help them go, you know, make them go to the local store or whatever it is. So just something to think about. Good. Okay. All right. Lost inventory. I've had, <laughs> I've had more than I care to admit about these. Yeah, that takes that takes a little bit of humility. To, it, well, it's I'm proud of you for your humility. It's, I've I had three, and I talked about this two podcasts ago, so I don't want to go too much into it. Have you had lost inventory yet? Nope, not once. Nope. Okay, so I think there's three ways to handle it. Uh, one is remember we talked about this last time. Like it's better for your metrics to take a ding on late shipment than. A, def a defect for not having the item. So you try to contact the person and resolve it, even if it cuts into your late shipment. Because once it cancels, that's going to cancel out. The other one is, and I've, again, this is not um, binding advice, but I know other resellers that do this. So I sold an item. It was very similar to another item. I shipped out, and I didn't ship out. I was out of inventory on the one they bought. And I was I was in it. I had inventory of the one I thought they bought. You get what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So like one was green and gray, and the other one was black and gray. They bought the green and gray. I thought I had a whole bunch of inventory of those, and I actually had the black and gray item. How does I maybe I'm out of place for asking this, but like, how does that happen? Poor organization. I'm just gonna throw it out there. So like you bought, I just, you bought I kinda, like six of them. And I you, kept the number in my head and I put it in storage and I went back and I'm like, oh, I'll put this, you know, in the uh, eBay listing later on today. And I can see how that could happen. I just didn't. That's, a, that's a lesson learned, right? Oh, definitely. Trust me. I learned. So I messaged this person. Hey, I'm so sorry. This happened. Da, 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 you know, um, please let me know. They never got back to me. So then I'm kind of in a quandary, right? Because one is I can send it and I get a negative feedback. Or I do the cancellation, which gives me a defect. Mm. So what I did is I still sent the other item and I refunded them. So I, okay. sent, them, I sent them a free item and I said, I'm so sorry. This item is very close to what you ordered. You know, my apologies for this. Please take this as a gift as, you know, not atonement, but as a... You know, just trying to make things right. Please with don't you. give me negative feedback is basically well, what no, you're doing. Well, yeah, but you can't say that. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. And, uh, and you know, the person 
never heard back. That that's that reminds me of like the little cards that occasionally come in in like your Amazon boxes of you know when you buy something from a third party seller and it's like if you're not happy with this please email blah 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 before contact. But that's one way to prevent. Some people do that. I was gonna say like does that work? Like if people who do that on eBay like have you noticed that you've gotten contacts? Based off of those types of inserts or cards that have prevented negative feedback, or at least that you let us know in the comments. Think, yeah, I've never done it, but you know, I think that's. I'm I'm not a big fan of spending money on thank you cards, but that's definitely I think worth the money if you're going to do it. Yeah. All right, the other way this is going to get. I don't know if I want to say this. It's a little sketch. Oof! Don't do it then. But it's the Reebok method. Just ghost them. No, 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 no. What did Reebok do? How, okay, so they just refund you without without get, saying anything. But they marked they marked that shipped. Did they mark it shipped? Yes. I got a thing that said my item was gonna arrive June twenty fourth or something. Whatever. Oh, I never got that. I so this is what I canceled for me. Let me look. No, anyways, okay, I'll share it with you what I did. And again, this is worst case scenario. I you know. What I did is I had an item. I was out of stock. But, oh, no, I wasn't. Sorry, sorry. Let me correct it. No, I did not do this with an out of stock item. I did this with an item that I incorrectly labeled. So I labeled the item XL on my top of the listing, but in the description, it was a large, right? So I'm like, oh, no, I have to cancel this, but I can't cancel. And the buyer wasn't getting back to me. So again, don't do this if it's out of stock. This is only if like you made an error. Okay, let me correct that. Maybe we should edit this. I think people got it though. Okay. So I contacted, they never got back to me. So what I did is I planned on shipping the item still. So I, I, I shipped it still, I, you know, first class mail. And then what I did is if I, they didn't get back to me, I was going to refund them through PayPal. Right. So my metrics is still good. I still shipped the item. There was an error. I apologize on my refund. Sorry, blah, 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 blah. Now, if they said, hey, please ship the item, I still would have shipped it to them. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of you will say, hey, Orlando, you're throwing away money, right? You're, you're, ship, you, you're giving up items for free. For me, it's a long-term game. I'd rather lose, you know, if it's like a $1,000 item, that's one thing. But if I'm going to lose 20 30 maybe even 40 maybe even $50, and it's going to prevent me from losing top rated seller, which you have a lot of sales at 10% savings and that saving in shipping adds up. It's worth losing that money. Would you agree with that? Oh yeah. There's been, there's been quite a few items where it's like, just keep the item or, you know, give a refund when I don't necessarily think it's, it's valid, but it's like, you know what? I'm not, like there's, there's at least one board game that I sold that I knew was complete and then they got it. And then, they said, this isn't complete. It's missing. And they listed like 12 things that it was missing. And I'm like pretty <laughs> sure that they just took those pieces that they were missing out of their board, right? Yeah. And then claimed, or they swapped. You know, because people do that kind of stuff too. And I'm not saying that that's all There's the time. scammers on eBay? Is that what you're saying? You know, but to me, it was like, okay, like I'm going to lose out on this. Like I'm just going to lose out. And I'm not, I don't want an incomplete board game sent back to me because I'm not going to sell that, right? So it's just like, do the thing of like, I can't believe that happened. I'm sorry. Like whatever. I'm going to refund you. Go ahead and keep it because I'm not going to be selling an incomplete item or I'm not going to sell something that's damaged or broken. Um, and then you just wish them luck. And then, yeah, it prevents the negative feedback. And then, like you said, if they, if you were to get negative feedback, you can show eBay like, 
look, I, I crossed every T that I could, right? Not only did I refund them, but I'm not even trying to resell this item because I'm not trying to, you know, it shows you don't have malicious intent, right? Mm-hmm. So it, yeah, it's worth it to lose that 25 or $30 and say like, this is going to keep my reputation. And yeah, it's the long, it's the long game you're playing. For sure. And so overall, right, when we talk about all these issues, number one is, you know, you can't take it personal. You know it's business. Number two, you got, you got to think long term, right? What is going to be the best solution to allow me to maintain my business, to keep that top rated seller status, to keep the metrics strong? Like that's that has to be your end game, right? So if you have to lose, you know, small battles to win the bigger war, then it, which it's not a war, it's a business. It's definitely worth it to you. Hey, business is war sometimes, man. (laughs) I guess so. But hey, you know, so I hope all these things that we shared with you today were helpful. I know some of them were kind of eh, right? But always, always be within eBay guidelines, Amazon guidelines, Posh, Mercari. Always stay within guidelines because whenever you venture out, in the end, it's going to end up hurting you. So always stay within the guidelines when doing all these things. Yeah. And if you're uh, interested in um, a couple of things, one, huge interview coming up. Hopefully everything works out okay. Um, it's our first time doing an interview, so it's gonna be awesome. Anything can happen, uh, but hopefully interview works out great. So check us out next Sunday for that. And uh, level up review part two for richest man in Babylon is coming out the following Sunday after that. So uh, if you haven't listened to the first one, check that out. Check out the second one if you're interested in learning several things, including uh, uh, what role does luck play in all of this, and how can you uh, make sure to increase that. Yep, and stay tuned for our eBay open episodes. They'll be dropping. And if you're there, come say hi. Let's network. Let's talk. And uh, it's going to be awesome. So with that being said, make sure to be real, be relevant, and be reselling. Peace. Peace.